the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, hello there and welcome again to another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in, well, in the undisclosed location at the moment. Good to have you aboard again as always. I'm glad you're here, Larry. Yes, sir, Chris. It's always good to be here. And how are you today? I'm doing well. It's an open mic Saturday and ready to get those calls going and finding out what's going on with what the heck's happening to the markets kind of thing. Yes, sir. I love it. We saw a little green shoot yesterday, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit today. As you can see, the reaction was pretty positive, yeah. but we'll get into all of that. So, well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. It is, as Chris said, open mic Saturday, which means no holes barred, no questions barred at all. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning, estate planning, retirement planning, stock market, the Fed, taxes, whatever's on your mind today. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. So a couple of quick administrative announcements here. We're going to be opening up our new website or rolling it out or launching it, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in the next couple of weeks here, we're putting the final touches on it. Very excited about that. So uh, go check it out at LarryRosenthal.com. And go check it out right now. Matter of fact, you'll, you'll see the old one, but you can sign up for our newsletters and, our, and our follow us on Facebook as well. Um, so <clears throat> your question, Chris, what happened in the markets this past <laughs> week, right? Yeah. A lot of volatility still out there. And, and remember, I've always said, you know, the markets always want clarity of direction, and we're going to continue to see this volatility until we get a very clear direction on, on things. But the past, you know, the, the last couple of days here, we've had some big numbers pop out. We had the inflation number that came out on Wednesday morning, which was hot. It was hot at 9.1% in June, year over year. Uh, and then Thursday morning, we had PPI come out which was hot again. The estimate on that was producer price index, which is what does it cost for goods to be made in the pipeline before it gets to you and I as consumers, Chris? And it was estimated to be up by 0.8. It was up by 1.1. But on the flip side of this, right, 
on the flip side of this, what we saw on Friday was we saw some other parts of the inflationary formula starting to roll back over, starting to come back down again. Commodity prices, oil, and we're going to talk a lot about oil because everything touches energy here, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but we also saw retail sales came in very strong, which lends itself to corporate earnings. You know, so far we're in we're in second quarter corporate earnings right now. We're we're we're, we're looking at the the June, May, and April, or April, May, and June of 2022 as compared to April, May, and June of 2021. So far, 6% of companies have reported. I mean, it's only the second week in July, right? But 6% of the S&P 500 companies have reported, and they've reported uh, hot top-end sales growth over 10% and uh, earnings, uh, bottom-line earnings, about 4.7, just a little under 5%, which shows earnings are still coming in strong, which is positive news for the market. So you have... You have these two opposing forces here. You have you have inflation numbers still persisting, right? Inflation still persisting, and yet at the same time you've got a strong consumer, strong employment numbers, right? And and at this and 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 then you've got good wages and good corporate earnings. How does all this stuff mix? And then you've got the Fed sitting right in the middle. Well, as a result of the, the Wednesday inflation number for June coming in at 9.1%, everybody immediately threw up their hands and said, oh, no, guess what? The Fed's going to raise 100 basis points rather than the anticipated 0.75 or 75 basis points, right? Does it really matter? Does it really matter if the Fed raises 75 basis points or 100 basis points? At the end of the day, what the objective is is to bring down inflation. I can't wait to see what the July inflation number is. So the second week in August, we're going to get the July inflation number. I think it's going to be lower. I do. Just based off if, – if July holds, it just based off of what we've seen the first two weeks in July, we've seen housing prices start to come down. We do see a strong consumer, which is very, very good, right, for corporate earnings. But we've seen commodity prices come back down as well. And so – it's going to be interesting to really see how this stuff plays out. So a lot of people are still in the camp of this. This is what consensus seems to be, okay, which is the Fed is going to continue to raise interest rates until we see inflation plateau and start to track down. Estimates toward the end of the year are still somewhere around 5 6% on inflation, which is a lot lower than 9.1, obviously. Mm-hmm. So Friday's market action saw a strong consumer and the underpinnings of some of the inflation problems starting to, to, to subside and roll over, and you saw the reaction to the market on this. Once we start to see inflation track down, okay, the markets are going to celebrate this. This was an indication. This was an, a, a, an insight. This was a, a, you know, a, a look down the road and around the corner, if you will, at, at what what looks to be anticipated once we see inflation break. And the trick is, will inflation break without breaking growth? In other words, slamming us into a recession. So we've seen all kinds of recession talk the last two or three weeks, right, without a doubt. You, you can't get away from it. Everybody's talking, well, well, half the people are saying recession, doom and gloom. The other half are saying not so fast, okay? And, and that kind of puts you in the, in the question of, well, for those that are saying recession, Let's let's press them a little bit and let's ask the question, well, what kind of recession are you talking about? Are you talking about a 2008 type of a recession, a 2001, 2, and 3 type of a recession? 
or are you talking about a recession that's very shallow and short-lived, right? Just short enough, just shallow enough to break inflation's back, right? What's the story here? What's the catch on this? So, you know, again, to be determined, we have to wait and see how inflation actually plays out the rest of the year and whether or not we do officially dip into a recession from that standpoint. But bottom line is, at the end of the day, once we get past these events, once we get past this type of news, everything still comes back to fundamentals. You see, we live in a stock market of extremes. So listen to this. We live in a stock market of extremes. We have extreme highs that get overvalued. We have extreme lows that get undervalued, right? But things do come back to the mean sooner or later. Fundamentals matter. And when you look at the underpinnings of the economy, the fundamentals state this. Strong consumer, strong employment numbers, strong corporate earnings, which is the reason people buy stock to begin with, we still have a negative savings scenario where inflation, even if inflation's at 5%, let's say, at the end of the year, just as an example, and your bank account is at 2 you're still in a deficit position, right? So really the only place that you're really going to have an opportunity to make some money is on the equity side of the house. That's been the scenario since 2008. Savers have continued to be punished and risk takers have been continued to be rewarded. That's probably going to continue. So what does it look like on the other side of this? What does it look like once Wall Street gets clarity of direction? At some point down the road, we will either go into a recession and break inflation, or inflation will break and we'll dip into a small recession, or inflation will break and we won't have a recession at all. But either way, we go through that intersection. What does it look like on the other side? Now, Let's pretend we're on the other side of this equation, and we have the same fundamentals that we have today, right? So what type of an economy, what type of a stock market is that going to be at that particular point? It's going to be a, a growth stock market, but a slower growth than what we've had over the last handful of years. What about inflation? Inflation is going to still be here with us. It's not going to hit the targeted 2% desired level because of commodity prices, energy, basically, and because supply chains are still being fixed and, 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 and reconformed, you know, refigured all around the globe. So we're going to have a little bit level of stubborn inflation, maybe three, three and a half, four and a quarter percent, something like that, on top of corporate earnings coming in, most likely continuing, right? So, so it's more of a slower growth, stubborn inflation. As time goes on, the technology... The innovation in the economy is going – that's a deflating factor. That's going to continue to bring def inflation down. So you're looking at a scenario 2023, 2024, 2025 on, on, a, on a glide slope downward toward that 2% targeted inflation number from that particular standpoint. But things come back to fundamentals. They always do, and that's starting to shape up right now, especially when you saw the action in the, in the market on Friday. You know, So some of the bad news out there, we still have – you know, the, the, the interest rate or the yield curve showed up inverted, the two-year over the 10-year. Uh, it, it's, it's been inverted for several days now. Some people say that is an indication of a recession coming down the road anywhere from, from 12 to 18 months away, right? 
that's what that has has indicated in the past. There's a lot of people, a lot of analysts, a lot of fund managers saying, hold it. No, no. The two and the tens, that's not what we look at. We really want to look at the three-month over the 10-year, and that's not inverted. So again, there's a lot of reading the tea leaves on all of this. Bottom line is this. In this type of a market, in this type of a recovery, as we go through scraping along the bottom here and move into that recovery zone, you want to make sure that you have rock-solid balance sheets, that you own companies that have real customers, real clients, real corporate earnings, innovation. They're, uh, uh, they're dominators in their space, you know, um, not sort of the fringe type stuff. It's going to be a combination of both growth and value. So that's kind of where we are right now, and it's actually – shaping up to be better news you know amazing we had thought our, to ourselves and even when you looked at the market action the other day on wednesday when we got that reading of 9.1 percent on inflation right at 8 30 in the morning the market futures plummeted you know several hundred points well that day the nasdaq ended up barely positive and the dow was only down about 149 points not much at all and so the markets have a lot of this stuff priced in or baked in, as you would, right? So, so this is just a time thing. We need to get through this time. We need to, the next big thing, the next big event, really, is going to be the Fed meeting on July 27th. They're going to state their interest rate. They're going to, you know, however much they raise, 75 basis points, 100 basis points. Okay, we know it's going up, right? And then we're going to listen to their commentary the next, you know, dur during that, that meeting as well. And then two weeks after that, we're going to get the July inflation number, second week or so in August. So we've got to get a couple of more of these events behind us. The Fed does not meet in August. They'll meet again in September. We need to get a couple of these events behind us. We're almost there. And, and, and if the corporate earnings continue to come in, consumer remains healthy, um, it could shape up for, for, for you know, you know, a, 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 a nice end of the year, basically, is what I'm saying. So, right, the moguls, so right? all of this stuff is working its way through the system, Chris. What would you say? Right, the moguls until we get to the smooth skiing, I guess. Right, those bumps. There you go. There you go. So let's talk real quick about something that came up the other day. And and um, uh, I, I was – well, I was explaining this to, to, to people. So, so, like, if you take a look at the price of oil – in August right now versus the price of oil in September versus the price of oil in October. You're talking about oil futures, right, energy futures. Everything touches energy, Chris. You know, you go to the grocery store, you buy your loaf of bread. Guess what? It got delivered there based off of energy somehow, right, and through the manufacturing process and the transportation process, right? Energy touches pretty much everything, fair enough? So when you take a look at the price of the future, barrels of oil august september october november december january february march all the way through oil right now is in what's called backwardation there's two types of of pricing in oil there's contango and backwardation contango is normal what i mean by that is the price of oil is less expensive in the august futures and it's more expensive in the September, more expensive in October, more expensive in November, so forth and so on. That's called contango. Right now, oil, for the next several months, is in backwardation. 
meaning that the price of oil in September is cheaper than the price of oil in August. The price of oil in October is cheaper than the price of oil in September. The price of oil in November is cheaper than the price of oil in October. That's called backwardation. So what does that mean? Right now, you take a look at it, and oil is starting to come down, as I just mentioned, since it is in backwardation. Why is it coming down? Is it coming down based off of anticipation of more supply entering the market? Or is it coming down based off of anticipation of less demand needed in the marketplace? Or is it coming down based off of a combination of both? Personally, I think, from my perch, it's a combination of both. Okay? If the world does dip into a recession, if Europe goes into a recession and the U.S. doesn't, or back, or vice versa, or whatever it may be, at some point, the slower an economy drives forth, the less demand there is. So if you take a look at, at waning demand and increasing supply, that is a good recipe for lower in prices. And that's why you see oil right now in backwardation. So watch the futures of the oil. We've seen gas prices come down recently, substantially. We've also seen the price of lumber come down 52% this past week over from its high earlier this year. So we've seen the price of these commodities start to come down. As a matter of fact, 14.9%, okay, 14.9% of home contracts. These are people that have played that have said, "Yes, we want to buy the home." 14.9% of them recently have been pulled. People have lost their earnest money because they've said, "You know what? I, I don't want to buy the I don't want to buy the home." We're starting to see home prices starting to drop back down again, okay? Mm. Um, now that's market by market across the country. This is an average. There are some places, I know some people are sitting there listening to me going, well, not in our area, right? And that's true, but this is a national average. My point is this. We're looking at the tea leaves. We're looking at this data, and we're seeing some green shoots in the marketplace really pop up. So I did a big data dump this morning. Sorry about that, but I, I, it's important that, that, that you understand how to read this stuff and what we're looking at when it comes to all of this. And, and, and this is basically a time thing. I've been saying this all along. We've got to get through these summer months, uh, get, get these events behind us, a couple more Fed meetings, a couple more readings on inflation, and, and corporate earnings continue to drive forth. So that's a good thing. So, hey, again, it's open mic Saturday. I put a lot out there for you. I, I understand that. But, you know, let's let you drive the subject matter today. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Give us a call. We'll be back in a moment. To Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. 
CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401K plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal right here in studio making Make your those phone calls now. We have some lines available for you. Again, 855-767-3123. Larry. Sure, Chris. So, you know, wow, you take a look at home prices, right? We talked a little bit about them starting to come down now. But let's take a look at, at what they've done here recently. Uh, since 2019, home prices in the Northeast, right, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, North, right, have increased by 40.5%. Yeah, and the with the South, interest rates Southeast. going up, it's, it's kind of priced a lot of people out. So hopefully that's been changed. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that. But I want to talk about some mistakes that people are starting to – I'm starting to hear this, and I, 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 don't, I don't like this, but I want to talk about home equity. You know, I used to teach a class on the, the nine different ways to manage home equity inside of your home, right, what you can do with it, how you can pay your home off early, how you can exercise it against uh, – uh, bad credit, mm-hmm. you know, bad, bad, bad consumer debt, and also how you can turn this, the equity in your home into streams of income during retirement years. But what we've had here since 2019, you know, in, 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 the, in, the, in the West, homes have increased uh, uh, 35%. In the Midwest, 31 In the South, 45 Across the country, 42.9%. Right. This is through February of 2022, from February of 2019 to February 2022. That's the latest data that we have on this. And so we have a a, a wealth effect. We have a lot of equity inside of homes, as everybody knows that. Right. And what what can you do with this equity? What is what 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 is going on with this equity? Well, we're starting to see, you know, people tap into it. Right. What are the uses of equity inside of your home? 
you know, one of the things that I want to talk about today is not making a mistake with it. (laughs) You know, not tapping into your home equity and use it for vacations. You don't want to do that. You know, you don't you don't want to use your home equity uh, and from the standpoint of saying, you know what, we've got more home equity now. Let's increase our lifestyle and use it to supplement our income each month. You know, let's go out and purposely overspend a thousand dollars a month because we got a new hundred fifty thousand dollars of equity in our home, right? Let's get a home equity line of credit and do that. No, not at all. We do not want to do that. When you look at the at at, at equity inside of your home, you you do not want to separate it from your home through a loan, through a mortgage, or anything like that, and 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 use it for a depreciating asset. You don't want to do that. Now, I can see sometimes doing it for a car purchase, but but definitely not to buy the big screen TV, right, or to use it for vacations and things like that. So so we, we want to be cautious with what we're using the equity for in our homes, right? And there's three ways that you can go about bringing equity into your, you know, in, into the fold of your of your budget. One is what's called a an equity exchange. Here's where you would might you might look at your scenario and you might say, "You know what? We have a lot of credit card debt. We have some car payments, okay? What's the bottom line between our mortgage and our car payments and our credit card? Maybe it's maybe it's, you know, $3,000 a month. Maybe it's $2,000 a month for the for the mortgage payment and then thou- and then another 500 for credit card bills and another 500 for your car, right? You might be able to look at that equity and go, wait a minute here. If I did a refinance and cashed out, and now my mortgage payment might be $2,300 a month or $2,400 a month, but I've moved enough money out to pay off the consumer debt, and you're net six, $700 a month ahead of you know e- each month, that's a good move. That's a good move that you need to look at. Then what do you do with that extra money each month? Well, at that particular point, you can start paying down your mortgage quicker or, or, or whatever it is. Put it in the bank. You see what I mean? So, so there are proper ways to go about using this. But before you did something like that, what's called an equity exchange, you really need to ask the question of what's the re- why is the result of this money on the credit card? Is it because we're overspending each month? Well, if that's the case, then then the possible question might have to be, well, wait a second here. If if we do this, if we extract the equity from the home to pay off these credit cards, are we going to continue to overspend and still rebuild the credit cards? That's not a good proposition. That is not a good thing to do. And so there's a lot going on with these types of decisions, okay? And I want to tell you, I, I would love for, for everybody who's looking at this, and I know there's people all across the country right now that are considering these types of moves, Give us a ring. We'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit, and it's going to help step you through this type of a budgeting scenario exercise, and we can direct you on what it looks like to do these types of moves with with the equities and, and things like that in your home to balance out your budgets and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, you don't want at some point down the road the real estate values to come back down a little bit and you've got all this equity outside, you're forced with a higher payment, and you're still overspending. we got to watch this. we got to make sure that you do this correctly, if at all, if you do it at all, as far as that goes. So, so just sort of you know, be careful there. There's nine different ways to manage equity inside of your home. Okay? Uh, there's there's, there's, there's uh, a handful of ways to, to accelerate payments and pay off your home. 
There's special mortgage products to do that. So, so when you're dealing with your home, in a lot of cases, it's, it's your, your largest or your second largest asset in most cases uh, for people you know, all across the country. And we need to understand how to manage that, understand what the objectives are as far as that goes. You know, which brings up another question, too. I get this question all the time, Chris, in financial planning, right? You know, well, should we pay our home off? We want to have our home paid off. But I hear I shouldn't have my home paid off. I, sh- I hear the, uh, I need the tax deduction. You know, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's a lot. There, there's a handful of different ways to attack this question. You know, I've seen people because of their situation carry large mortgages in retirement years i've seen people because of their scenario have their homes paid off and i've seen others have a small manageable mortgage in the retirement years so a lot of this gets baked into the equation of cash flow of house rich versus cash poor of is this your final you know retirement home things like that so so make sure that you're you're really looking at the the scenario from from its entirety on how to go about managing that scenario there so hey give us a ring at 855 rose 123 that's 855-767-3123 with any of your financial planning investment questions whatever's on your mind today we've got all kinds of subject matter here today we're going to talk about what's inside of a mutual fund prospectus Coming up, we'll talk a little bit about mortgages, refinancing, and things like that. Give us a call. We'll keep the phone lines open. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Marion on the line. Good morning, Marion. How are you today? Good morning, Larry. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How are you? I am fine. Thank you. I had called you a couple of weeks ago uh, in a question about my annuity, and I didn't have the information, so I wanted to kind of see I have the type of annuity it is and to get your opinion on it. Okay. Okay. It's a modified single premium deferred fixed index annuity with index interest accounts and a fixed interest account. Um, well, that's a mouthful to begin with, <laughs> I was right? Say. Well, I had to read it because I couldn't, I couldn't remember all this. So. Um, and you wonder why people are confused about annuities, right? Exactly. Exactly. Wow. I agree. I agree. Okay, so let's break that down. It's a modified single premium immediate annuity or deferred? Deferred. Deferred. Fixed okay. annuity. So, index annuity. Mm-hmm. So this tells me that it's basically you you wrote one check or you put money into it from a rollover of some sort one time. Yeah. Right. And there's no payments coming out of it until you decide to make those payments turn on because it's deferred, right? Right. Okay. So so are you still in the deferral process or are you did you trigger income yet? I have not triggered income, no. Uh-uh. Okay. So you've got a modified single premium deferred annuity. Is it an IRA or not? Yes. Okay, so it's all growing tax deferred. There's no taxes while it's growing until, Marion, you pull it out, and then you have to pay ordinary income taxes on it, not capital gains. And then you said it's a fixed indexed annuity? Correct. That means that it's in a fixed account, so you cannot lose money in it, most likely, unless you pull money out while there are surrender penalties for early withdrawal. That's another story. 
right. but it's an indexed annuity, meaning that, that the performance, the interest that's credited to the account is based off of an index. For example, let's suppose that the S&P 500 goes up by 8% over the course of a year. You might get 5.5% of that growth, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's suppose yeah. the S&P 500 goes down 8%. You might get 0% interest that year, okay? Right. So okay. it depends on what indexes or indices it's indexed toward. It could be the S&P, the NASDAQ, uh, uh, AFI. It could be uh, several different ones. I've seen all different kinds out there. The trick or the where the rubber meets the road in this type of a contract, Marion, is this, is how is your interest credited to the account? Is it annual point-to-point? -point? Is it monthly with caps? How is it credited? Because I have seen these in the past where the S&P 500 goes up 8 or 10% and somebody gets a 0% rate of return. Because It says it's a, a two-year point-to-point. Okay, so that means that, that in the first, you're not going to get any interest credited until 24 months goes by. And if the S&P is at level A, 24 months later, they're going to look at the S&P at level B and figure out the interest minus any, any, any ceilings that they impose on, on the formula. That's what your credit's going to be, okay? Okay, okay. So, so now the question becomes this, on your anniversary of that contract, can you change it? Can you move 25% of the money into this area, 25% into that area, 10% into those areas over there? Usually those types of annuities allow you to make changes, I don't know, either 30 days before or 30 days after your anniversary of the contract each year, okay? Um, but that's pretty much, it sounds like that's what you have. So it sounds like your crediting is point to point. Then the next, uh, over 24 months, then the next question is, what's the cap on that? Okay. What is the cap? In other words, does it say the cap is, is 10%? That means the most you can get is 5% a year. Is the cap 20%? That means the most you can get is 10% a year. Does that make sense? It does. Yes, it does. Yep. So that's pretty much uh, how that one reads based off of you describing to me over the airways what I'm, what I'm sort of interpreting on, on the, the, the scenario. Now, another thing you want to look at, too, is what are all of your choices to index that against, right? Because the S&P, if it's indexed against the S&P, maybe that's not having a good year, but the NASDAQ is, or maybe there's an international thing that's doing well. Do you see what I mean? So you want to look at the diversification uh -huh. aspect of it as well. It says in here that the contract does not directly participate in any stock, bond, or other investment. That's correct. It just indexes it off of it. It's just the, the insurance company okay. saying we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take your money and we're gonna do our thing with it, in the, ver, versus the S and P or whatever index you're using, and they're gonna credit you back. It, you're not invested in it. The insurance company's doing the investing out of their funds from the, from that. That's correct. Gotcha. Yep, you're just getting okay. an index. You're getting a, a, a credit as to what it does based off of how they have caps, fees, and, and crediting scenarios in there. That's all. So lo long term, um, you know, again, I, I would want to take a look at the different in index choices 
to make sure you have mm -hmm. diversification capabilities in there and see what the caps are and see how often they change the caps because they do change the caps on it, which lowers your, your ultimate um, uh, performance numbers there. But that's pretty much probably 80, 90 percent of how that, that, that thing works without me seeing it in front of me, okay? Okay, Larry. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You have a great weekend. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Amik on the line. Good morning, Amik. How are you today? Good morning, Larry. Thank you for taking my call. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Well, quick question. So I'm a first-time home buyer, and I'm looking to buy my home. I have a just complete, uh, and I wanted an idea to know how many mortgage payments should I have in my savings? Before I would I suggest that you have anywhere from three to six months worth of living expenses saved up. Just because you have okay. a mortgage doesn't mean that you don't have money. You know, you still need money for groceries and to go to the movies and things like that, right? So it's yeah. suggested, Amik, that you have three to six months of living expenses saved. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Makes much more sense. You're Yep, you're welcome. If you like, I'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit, okay? And uh, that'll give you some sort of a budgeting range and, and give you an idea of what you're spending and where you're spending it as well. So I'll put you on hold, and, and Bob will get your information, and we'll send you out our toolkit also, okay? Sure. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You know, I, Bob, I forgot to, to get get information out to Marion there, too, so maybe you can... Uh, uh, send her out some information as well. So, hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Take a look at our website, LarryRosenthal.com. Follow us on Facebook. Sign up for our monthly newsletters. There's no cost for it. Right up your alley, Chris. Free, right? Which is a good you thing. You know I love that word. You know? <laughs> there you it's go. the only four-letter word I love. send out a weekly, pardon me? It's the only four-letter word I really love, you know? There you go. And we we also send out a free market, weekly, I should say, market commentary on what's really going on in the markets, the economy, and things like that. So we get a lot of commentary back off of that as well. So go check it out, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up for it. Let's keep the phone lines open. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about a mutual fund prospectus. Boring, but we'll make it a little bit of fun. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives.
Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the financial planning toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. We've got some lines available for you if you'd like to talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio live. That's 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Sure, Chris. I was uh, saying, you know, let's talk about mutual funds because when when somebody owns a mutual fund, you need to take a good look at the prospectus. What are the guardrails of investment choices? Don't just buy a mutual fund based off of its name. Don't you have okay. to have a degree to look at those um, things? Those things are so full of legalese and it's hard they to understand. They are full them. of legalese and all that kind of stuff, Chris, but there's also some standardization to them too, there's right? And and that's a good thing, with, with, without a doubt. <laughs> Makes everybody's life a, a lot easier, you know. So you want to take a look at, at uh, first of all, what is a prospectus and what is the purpose of it? Well, the, the, the prospectus is it's a little booklet, kind of a document, and it contains all the fund's features, its unique features, its capabilities, the design, uh, and it's designed basically – for the investor to read through it and and see what their investment options are, so that they can, you know, make make well informed decisions on it, right? But the problem here is that it does get confusing, and you're looking in these big bold letters of the name of the mutual fund, and the name of the mutual fund may not necessarily act according to what you think it does based off of the objectives of that mutual fund, and that's the point I want to bring out here is how do you know when you're looking at a mutual fund called, let's say, dividend income fund, right? And then you take a look at, at what it's doing inside of the, you know, what it can do. You might look at it and go, well, it doesn't seem like it's reacting according to its name, right? Or you might take a look at a fund that says appreciation of something, but yet at the same time, it's it's got a lot of bonds inside of it, okay? So you really have to drill down and take a good look at what's inside the fund. Look at its ranking within category, okay? You can look to see how many mutual funds are in the exact same category, right? There's roughly, you know, eight 9,000 mutual funds out there. Now, there's various share classes of all these, so it's over 20-some thousand funds. But, but if you look at your mutual fund and you see – Okay, my mutual fund has, you know, let's say 750 different mutual funds from different companies, all the different mutual fund companies. I've got 750 of them to choose from in my funds category. Now you can start searching for that fund category and seeing how it's really classified. You know, is it is it a large company value? Is it dividend growth? You know, what what is that real fund really in there for, right? And the fund's objectives, uh, it really describes its, its, its uh, financial goal as it targets what your objective is. Whatever your objective as an investor is, there's a mutual fund out there to meet that investment objective. That's the really good news. The challenge is finding that particular class of funds, uh, I shouldn't say class, that category of funds that you want to invest in. For example, if your investment objective is, let's say, growth and income at the same time. You desire to have some growth and you desire to have some income, right? Well, well, now you start looking at all of the different funds that are available out there and maybe you pull up, maybe you do a search and you pull up 
you know, maybe the top 20 over the last five years or whatever it may be, right? And and now you start drilling down and saying, well, well, what's the differences between these? Looking at the markets, the economy over the last five years, how have each one of these funds reacted according to the changes in interest rates, tax structure, corporate earnings, consumer, whatever it may be, where have they moved their money? Do they have a very wide guardrail where they can move money all over the place, or is it very narrow in scope, very defined and saying, nope, we have to play in this sandbox. We can't go over to another sandbox and play in. So, so sometimes people like mutual funds that are very strict, that say, nope, we have to stay in this area regardless of what's going on, whereas other people like mutual funds that say, you know what, wait a minute here. I want to give that mutual fund manager a little bit of flexibility, a little bit of, of freedom to move money in and around as he or she sees fit to do so according to the market conditions, the prevailing market conditions at that particular moment in time. What's the difference between those two types of funds, right? Well, some of the, you know, some people would say, you know, I want both, and there's a reason to have both types. One is if you want a fund that can, what we would call, drift all over wherever it wants to go, that's pretty good from the standpoint of placing the money in and around where they see fit versus another mutual fund that says, nope, we're going to be targeted, we're going to live in this sandbox, we're going to stay right there, all right? Now you know that your asset allocation is always going to be defined appropriately. It's not going to drift around so that you can have confidence understanding what your risk-reward level is going to be. So, so my point is take a look at the mutual fund. Take a look at the prospectus. Read through it. Get help. Call the fund company. Call your financial advisor. He or she should be able to explain it to you right off the top of his or her head, no problem at all, as to the investment objectives. Um, you know, uh, according to that fund, you know, it's going to list out all types of scenarios for you there. And it's good to know what you own, understand what you own, especially in volatile times, right? Especially when we come back, uh, you know, after the economy gets fixed with inflation and then we're facing a new type of an economy, what's inside that fund? Because what got you there the last five years or so, maybe you need to be a little different in the, in the recovery of, of the markets and the economy down the road a little bit. So, so my point is this, is don't just buy the mutual fund based off of the name of the fund. Dive into the prospectus. Take a good, solid look at it. Ask questions. Make sure it matches up with your investment objectives and goals. And then you would take a look at all of the different investments you have, right, and get every one of them graded out accordingly and then give you the overall family risk-reward relationship. You know, what's your risk level? If your risk level is 20% less risky than the market, meaning the S&P 500, and you're keeping pace with the market, wow, that's a pretty good scenario, right? Uh, so, so you want to grade things according to all of this. So it gets a little complicated t at times, but if you know what you're looking for, you can drill down very quickly and very easily. If you have questions on a prospectus, you want to understand how to grade your investments, your ETFs, your stocks, your mutual funds, Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. We've got a lot of people calling after the show during the week or firing off an email, going to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, shooting us off an email, asking these types of questions during the week. Hey, how do I grade my investments? How do I know if, if my 401K investments are working appropriately with my spouse's 401K investments or our, or our brokerage account that we have together? 
how do we coordinate all of that together? So be happy to explain all that. It's it, it is very easy to do. Uh, well, I mean, it's a lot of work, but but once you get a good grip on it, you'll really be really able to see what your risk reward relationship is, especially in these times of of the market. So. Uh, Good stuff there. Real boring stuff. I told you it'd be boring, but I try to make it fun. Try to make it fun as far as as far as that goes, uh, with with everything there. I and, had a question you know, for you. If you don't mind, ahead. don't mind me interrupting you for a second. Um, with regards to home equity and or refinancing, I'm guessing today with the interest rates as high as they are, um, it's not necessarily a good idea to refinance, especially in this volatile format. Versus getting a well, home equity line. Well, it all depends here. You know, I mean. Uh, it, it depends on why you would be refinancing today. Right. So let's let's go out on a limb, Chris, and and this is what I was trying to say at the top of the show is maybe your mortgage rate is at at, at uh, I don't know three and a half. Let's just say, but you also have you know two car payments and sure. credit card bills, yeah. and so your mortgage might be two thousand dollars a month, right? But your credit card bills and your car payment is a thousand dollars a month between them. And now you're looking to say, I've got all this equity in my home, but the interest rates are higher. I'm going to refinance and cash out enough money to pay off the credit cards and the car payments. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a math But equation. as a result, my mortgage goes from yeah. 2000 a month up to 2500 a month. Mm -hmm. But now I've eliminated my car payments and my credit card bill. So net-net, I'm ahead $500 a month or six grand a year, right? So in that scenario, is it so bad to refinance into a higher interest rate? You, you know, you're, you're married to the home. You're just dating your interest rates because at some point <laughs> okay. interest rates are going to come back down again and you refinance to a lower rate anyway, right? Oh, that okay. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so my point is that if somebody's going to be looking at this scenario, and I know there's a lot of people across the country looking at this scenario mm -hmm. right now, there's a lot of wrong ways to go about doing that. And there's a couple of right ways to go about doing it. And so, so that's what you really have to take a look at is what's the net-net cash flow to you, to your family, after that transaction is done. And some people can't get past the fact, well, I'm going to refinance into a higher interest rate. Yep. In order to do that at this particular point, you're going to, right? Mm -hmm. But as a result of all this equity in your home, it could put you in a stronger position if you paid off some of this non-deductible bad consumer debt, credit cards, car payments, whatever it may be, things like that. It's kind right? of an interest rate exercise, right? Because credit cards typically have a ton more interest than you would normally get with a home equity or a refinance where you could pay that off as long as you don't get back into debt again. Absolutely, and that's the question. You know, yeah. what's what's the origin of the consumer debt, yeah. right? Well, if the origin has been, well, I just continue to overspend because that's the scenario, well, that's a tough thing to get through. You have to have a very detailed conversation as to you can't do that in the future anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if it's as a result of, you know, I, I don't know, a one-time scenario or something like that. Yeah, by you know, buying a boat or something or, like that, right? Yeah, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. But I've seen people wrap all types of scenarios into this and pay off their non-deductible interest consumer bad debt and come out ahead. Yes, their mortgage payment's higher, but net-net they're saving $500, $1,000 a month in cash flow, right? 
So really, you have to understand how to go about doing sure, it, sure. and and it's a very good exercise, and it works out very well for a lot of people. And and now's the time to really start taking a look at this type of scenario because of the massive increases we've had in equity. But I am not sitting here saying, go suck the equity out of your home and go buy a car. Go pull equity out of your home and go buy a big screen TV wall monitor. You know, not, nothing sense. like that. Yeah. Okay, so you can use this to your advantage if you understand how it really works. Uh, and, and I've seen it work very, very well. And, and again, remember, you're married to the house. You're just dating the interest rate because at some point down the road, rates are going to come back down again. And when they do come back down again, you'll just refinance. And now you've got all that stuff paid off, lower rate, you're good to go. I, I, I actually so, like that. I mean, I was very interested in your answer earlier even, but my question is kind of, which one would you pick, the home equity line or a refinance? What does it or does it matter? You look at both. Okay. You 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 look at both. It's like going to the grocery store and saying, "Okay, I'm going to buy a frozen pizza. Do I want pepperoni on it or just cheese?" Hmm. Look at both of them. So what which do you one like? Works out better. Yeah. And it all ends up being the math. You know, first of all, when you're in a when 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 you're in a second position, that home equity line of credit rate that you were just talking about is going to be higher than a primary mortgage. In most cases, unless you've already got it locked in and established, right? So it all depends on what your net cash flow is. This is a net cash flow exercise. Perfect. If you say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my, my first mortgage because it's very, very low as far as interest rate goes, and I'm going to use my home equity line of credit and do the exercise, maybe you're, you end up saving $250 a month versus if you just do a simple refi cash out, even do a higher rate, now your savings might be five, six hundred dollars a month, or it might be vice versa. So you got to look at both, Chris. It, yeah. it all depends on the on it's the. Math, it's a long math exercise, but I get you. Sure. It, exactly. Yeah. It, it really is. So so it's not you know it it, it is something. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is I'm starting to hear ads on on uh, uh, on the airway for this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and. Um, We've got to make sure people careful, do this yeah. right. We've got to make sure that, that we're not going out and just spending on lifestyle equity inside the home. Not at all. No. Uh, You've you got to manage it correctly uh, going forward as far as Well, that. you talk about this a lot, and when you're managing it correctly, you, my mind goes to the Lord, and it's all his anyway. And we have to be careful about how we manage that money. It's not really what we want. It's kind of what he, it's best for him in the long run. Well, what we want is his use of it, Amen. right? That's Amen. what we ultimately want, right? Yep. I agree. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So definitely. So, hey, give us a ring. We've got about two minutes left in the show today. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. You can also check us out on LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube. Forgot to announce that earlier. We live stream the show. I'm uh, actually out of town in a, in, in a, as Chris says, undisclosed location. Right. I'm in a hotel room. So you can check that out online, LarryRosenthal.tv also. So. Uh, but, um, you know, hey, pretty soon we're going to be announcing the the launch of our new website, all kinds of videos and library content. We want to continue to be your source of financial education, personal finance, wealth accumulation, tax scenarios, the whole nine yards, estate planning, whatever it may be. Uh, we'll also be announcing here where we, we usually take the summer off as far as our webinars and things like that. We will be doing some stuff coming out in August. Uh, you know, with market commentary, I want to wait till we get past the next Fed meeting to really give us a good, clear view of their perspective in the economy. So, so check that out. Probably be doing something the first or first ten days or so uh, in in August. 
uh, with another market commentary webinar. We have people from all over the country joining these all the time. And ever since the markets have been under pressure this year, we've been doing these every couple of weeks or so. So the next one will be in just a few more weeks here. Uh, I want to get more market data behind us as far as all that goes. So go check out our website, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, and shoot us off some questions during the week. This phone number, 855-ROSE-123, goes right directly to our office as soon as we get off the air here this morning. And uh, lots of people call during the week and say, hey, I heard you talking about this. Can you send me information on it? Be more than happy to, to, to do that. No problem at all. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. You can check us, catch us out here next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And during the week, give us a call. Happy to, to send you out any information that you may need. So have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.